0: (laughs) what's up yeah we're live
1: now (laughs) we are live
0: it's been fun setting all of this up
1: it's thursday you guys know what time it is it is time for the firing pin live stream
0: you know where we do fun stuff like talk to our guests talk about firearms uh, just industry news all the fun stuff
1: um we missed you last week yeah, I was uh I was a little bit caught up catching up with the family. You know, I had been yeah. traveling from New Hampshire and stuff like that for the tactical mm-hmm. games. I want to silence fan so, a little bit. Yeah, the fan is a little bit distracting, maybe in the audio. Get that uh taken care of. Also, let's take care of some business real quick. So speaking so um, fans, you know who I'm a fan of? Who's that?
0: Uh well, both of our sponsors, really. I don't know how to work this fan.
1: So. Okay. Well, Arms Preservation Inc., we're a fan of theirs. Let's talk about. <laughs> API, uh, and their line of vapor corrosion inhibitor uh, products. They're lovely storage bags for your ammunition, firearms, all your valuables, right? Yeah. They also have their new spray.
0: Metal defense. It's up. Metal
1: defense. We have it right here in the little yellow bottle with Uh, the green spray top.
0: A lot of you have heard us talk about... How it's used in the past, you know, you quickly just spray it on, wait a few minutes, and it dissipates. Uh, I use it on my Canon, and my cannon usually stays pretty oiled, and I take care of it. But it didn't leave any nasty residues or anything on it, so I'm I'm pretty satisfied so far. Awesome. Um, but I want to I want to do some like hard testing on really rusty, rusty prone, rustable, rustable things, rustable prone.
1: That sounds right. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) something like that.
0: I really want to test it. I want to spray it on something that is like
1: going to rust. We'll come up with something good, and uh, maybe we'll get some input from uh, our buddies over there at uh, API.
0: It was uh, we. uh, I I know we have another sponsor, but last week was fun. I'm, I'm sad you missed it. um, With our friends at Thin Line Defense, the little second stream we did after the first stream.
1: Yeah. That was uh, way past my
0: bedtime. Yeah, I know. I know you wouldn't even really been able to have stayed. They're no just way. really cool. They're from all over the country. and um, I don't know. If you missed it on YouTube, you should definitely go check out their channel. We'll drop it in chat. I know Joe is busy right now. So um, I'll work on dropping that in chat. But Very cool. It was a very fun stream. Nice. And uh, Beyond Driven. Yeah. I love those guys. Driven,
1: so Beyond fun, Driven yeah. Fitness and Performance in Leroy over there on Main Street in Leroy. Uh, you guys know the deal, right? 24-7 gym access. They have uh, many different classes on tap for you guys, and uh, they have some of the most state-of-the-art facilities that uh, I've had the, the privilege of using. So uh, definitely check those guys out, support them, great local small business, and uh, thank them for sponsoring the program. Yeah. So what uh, – what do we have for these guys tonight? Ty, we got a lot of views. Yeah, we, we say hi. Hello, everybody. Several
0: hundred. So thank you. <laughs> um, I I wanted to well, first we have a question that I think we should hit before. Sorry. Yeah, I, absolutely. I guess I'll split right. No, let's do it. Um sorry if you don't want to be doxxed, uh, but you're on Facebook and your name shows. So Matthew asks, tell us about the tactical games. Okay. Let's get into that first.
1: All right. Yeah, we can talk about that. So uh, the tactical games, as some of you guys might know, I went to uh, the Ridgeline Training Center in New Hampshire. It's up there in uh, Dalton, New Hampshire. Uh, Another great facility. If you guys get an opportunity to check out uh, their Instagram page, they got a lot of cool content that they do there. And you can also find out more about some of their uh, open enrollment classes that they do and uh, different long range uh, shooting opportunities that Really seems to be like their bread and butter. Of the what they
0: location they did it at looked gorgeous. Yes, the mountains or mm-hmm. hills and
1: yeah, up there in the mountains in New Hampshire and uh, yeah, we definitely got to experience all of the uh, changing weather that you get in the mountains. Yeah, a lot of uh, rainstorms coming in and out throughout the weekend. so got a chance to be cold and wet and then get dry and then do it all over again. So that was interesting. Um, a lot of really challenging um, events. And um, honestly, I felt uh, underprepared. Yeah. I I should have uh, spent some more time lifting heavy weights. I had gotten away from that a little bit and uh, definitely paid a huge penalty (laughs) for it um, because, you know, there were some events there that definitely stressed uh, what I would call like strength endurance. Right. Being able to lift, say, like 60 or 70 percent effort repeatedly. Yeah. um, And you just get gassed out. Um, so my shooting was pretty on point. I was pretty happy with that. But a couple of the events, uh, honestly, just the work, I didn't get finished. Um, so I didn't even get an opportunity to expend all of my ammunition. So there was a lot of penalties, you know, associated mm-hmm. with that as well. Um, so I did not do well. I think I was 20th in my division of 30 guys. Um, and, you know, hard people, though, like, oh, they went dude, and did that there <laughs> were there were some serious Placing competitors is nice. out there. There were um, there were some guys that I had competed against before. And uh, I definitely was around like people that, you know, uh, I was familiar with and, and friendly with. There were three or four people that had come out and competed in uh, skirmish events here yeah. or training days here. Um, so definitely some familiar faces from our own backyard. Um, which was really nice to see um, and, you know, get to reconnect with some of those folks. And um, if you guys get an opportunity to compete in any of the Tactical Games uh, events, I highly recommend it because it's a really, it's, fun. Um, it's a unique challenge. It's fun to watch you. And yeah, it's it's fun <laughs> to get out there and compete. And uh, I always say it, but uh, I mean it. The community is like second to none. So,
0: yeah, it seemed like the I love the picture you had with all of your,
1: the guys your from my group. squad. Yeah. 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 It just
0: seemed really cool. Um,
1: yeah. Our, our heat, you know, when you're going against the guys. so I was in heat number eight. So uh, five guys were in that specific group and we're all competing uh, in the tactical division, you know, ostensibly we're against each other yeah. competing, but um, in reality, you know, you want to see those other guys do well because it pushes you to do Absolutely. well also. Right. So Plus
0: you're all doing the same thing. You know what I mean? We're,
1: we're all involved in the same pursuit and th- Two of the guys that were in my my heat were guys that had uh, competed with me before in New Hampshire two years ago, um, so you know again familiar faces there, and they actually brought another friend with them who was also part of our heat. So it was like you know four guys that were all kind of like familiar with each other, and then we had another guy that we kind of just brought into like the the group as well. And it was you know it's just cool to be part of that experience.
0: What uh, what were you rocking? right asks what uh, pistol were you running and
1: oh or rifle? yeah so uh my my long gun i was using a uh 13.7 uh roscoe barrel sons of liberty gunworks bolt carrier group uh, it was just a gun that i kind of built myself um and um worked really well i had a dot on it um for those of you who are wondering about optics um we were shooting targets out to like 300 plus yards so it's um, quite a distance there were, well you know it's easy when you know your holds and stuff like that uh and you have like a gun that you have trained at distance with yeah. so that that was helpful because i've used that gun at those distances a little bit mm-hmm. and uh so i was pretty familiar with like the holds and i was able to get some good first round impacts on longer distance targets um, which was nice because there was like a 20 second penalty for every miss on like the longer distance targets. Right. So it's a, big penalty. <laughs> it's a big penalty to miss. Like it's kind of counterintuitive the way that they have it set because the longer targets are a higher penalty to miss. Yeah. So you want to take a lot more time on those longer distance <laughs> shots. And then the closer shots were like a 10 second penalty for a miss.
0: Funny how so,
1: that works. yeah, well, you know, it makes sense because they want you to, slow it down and, and take your time and get those longer distance yeah. shots dialed. But some guys were like shooting LPBOs and dots with magnifiers and different stuff. And they're kind of, everybody's kind of coming to the line looking at everybody else's gear. Like what's this guy shooting? What's he shooting? Somebody looks at my gun and they're like, Oh, you got a, you got a dot. You might have some trouble out there. I was yeah, like, I was like, no. Nah.
0: <clears throat> Michael says he saw your picks as well. And you looked cool. A F.
1: Hey, thanks, man. I, that's like rule number one. You Got to look cool is what they yeah. say, right? Rule number one is you got to look cool. That so, matters a
0: lot, actually.
1: <laughs> do it for the gram, right? Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Um, no, it was a lot. Of, it was a lot of fun, and uh, you know, <laughs> I I uh, I always look forward to uh, going out and competing. So I'll. Pr- I said it was my last one. Uh, I doubt it will be. Yeah, I doubt it. Knowing you, I, I, I doubt, doubt it, it will. Be. I'm probably gonna have to get out there and do it again. It's just it's too much fun um
0: it's 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 a competition like built for you i mean it's it's perfect for you um that's kind of what this dream is going to be about like your your time in the service and all of that stuff and i uh, would you say that kind of is what led you into wanting like you, like there's a part of you that misses that so now you do things like the tactical games and
1: i just want to do things that are like difficult i guess like on some level like you know, you need to challenge yourself in some capacity, right? Mm -hmm. I think so. That's kind of my, it fulfills my need to compete with other people and to compete with myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But yes, I would say that like, that's also part of the same thing that like led me to want to be in the service in the first So I think it all comes from the same place. I don't necessarily think that like my service would have made me more inclined to do that. Cause I've always liked to shoot anyway. Um, and I've always liked to compete. I, I like to win, man. I, yeah. I like to, you know, I like to get out and try.
0: Of course. So, uh,
1: mm. speaking of the
0: service, let, let's get started on that. Uh, what years and what, what company?
1: Okay, so I was in the, uh, I was on active duty from 2006. I enlisted in February 2006 until uh, June of 2012 was when Uh I ETS'd. Um, So I was with the same, uh, pretty pretty much the same company the entire time. I was in 1st Engineer Battalion, uh, which is now it's part of 1st, I'm sorry, 1st Heavy Brigade Combat Team. In the first infantry division. So, um, back then it was just first brigade combat team, they weren't like heavy or whatever the, de- the designation is now. But, um, so yeah, I was in uh first ID, first brigade combat team, and uh, I got a chance to deploy with those guys in 2006 the, for the first time. Um, from September, How old were you? I was 23. Okay, I was 23. <laughs> so yeah, I got a chance to deploy those guys uh, in 2006 until 2007. And then um, we went back pretty much to the same location uh, in 2009.
0: Oh, so you took a little bit of a, a, a gap? If
1: Well, I mean, like, you, we redeployed and everything. And then, like, you go back to home station and you, like, the guys that were on stop loss and stuff, they got out. Okay, like, at that time when, you know, when that deployment happened, they were – it was – Kind of around the same time as a troop surge in Baghdad, right? So the numbers was were really important, um, and so they were doing a lot of like wh- what they called stop loss, which is like basically you're within say six months of getting out, but the unit's going to deploy. So we put we put a block on your ability to get out, essentially, mm. and then you're stuck with the unit through the deployment. Okay. So we had a bunch of guys who were uh, in that particular situation the first deployment that i went on um and you know when we got back a bunch of those guys had either re-enlisted to go elsewhere because they you know they wanted to stick around uh or they just ended up getting out so you know our unit was significantly depleted when we first came home yeah in like the first say three months six months whatever
0: um so 2006, mm-hmm. you go, did you mention, um, you mentioned where, right? Oh, now? I'm
1: sorry. We went to, uh, Mosul, Iraq,
0: Mosul, Iraq. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like the second biggest city in Iraq. We have some pictures and stuff. Uh,
0: this is, again, we're working with a new, um, software. So, uh, let's test that out. Yeah. Joe's going to try and pull up some. Okay, cool. So
1: okay. we can do pictures like that. Um, So, So, yeah, you can see up north there is kind of up north where Mosul is located. So we were part of uh, what was called Multinational Division North at the time. And um, basically, we were, you know, in charge of looking for IEDs on the roads in that, like, particular part of Iraq.
0: So that was your main, like job out there was yeah our our main
1: the main focus on our mission essential task list was uh route clearance and protect the force and sustain the force terrifying it was fun yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) i mean yeah it's definitely like an interesting job right because you only have like one main focus and that's like don't get blown up and don't let other people get blown up yeah um so in that regard yeah it's you don't have a lot of control in some real way but in a lot of ways you have a ton of control right because you're you're trained and the guys that you're with are doing their job and
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know all that kind of stuff so hopefully Um, yeah i've dude we brought everybody home alive right we literally did not have one fatality while we were deployed we definitely had some casualties um i think i would have to verify this but our Purple heart rate was very, very high. I, I want to say ninety percent of our guys got some kind of combat injury. Now, to include wow. like TBIs and different, you know, yeah. things like that, because that's a big part of it. Um, but um, yeah, everybody in our company uh, was awarded a combat action badge because everybody saw some direct combat, even like our mechanics and yeah, that was. That was the deal, man. I mean, that kind of makes sense, though. The point
0: of an IED is pretty much to have one go off and then after ignition to catch you guys off guard and start a gunfight, right?
1: So, I mean, yeah, that became like... There was definitely a lot of um, what we would call like ambushes and stuff like that where, you know, an IED is more of like a distraction, right? Or they'll set up something that's sort of obvious to kind of like put you in a specific location where they kind of want you. And, um, you know, then... Shit will get weird. Yeah. So, um,
0: we have a question from Roger. He sure. asks, How large of an area is that? Mosul, I assume.
1: Mosul, uh, what was the second largest city in Iraq? Um, I think the population is like half a million or something like that. Sh- so, I mean, it's a, it's a good it's a size. Lot. Yeah. City, but we were, you know, when we talk about clearing routes, there's specific routes that we wanted to travel on, right? And that the were considered like the main supply routes and stuff like that, and the alternate supply routes. So those were pretty much what we were focused on. We weren't like, you know, trying to clear every individual, you know, road. Yeah. Let's say. So there I mean spe- there were specific n- named areas of interest and and you know, specific spots where we knew that we had to, you know, focus on.
0: So, um, what, what is
1: like the training for IED, like clearing look like, like what? Well, so, I mean, first of all, you have to define like what kind of IEDs are you kind of like looking for, right? What are, what are the common TTPs? Um, and what, it kind of, is TTP? All the time. oh, I'm sorry. Uh, tactics, techniques, and procedures. Okay. Like, what are the common like ways that the enemy is kind of targeting and, and doing their thing? So In the beginning, we would see a lot of um, what what would be called command detonation. So command detonation means like I have to be eyes on. I have to be like watching the specific spot because it's going to blow up on a specific command, whether it's like a call from a long range cordless telephone or to a long range cordless telephone base, it's going to like complete a circuit and and detonate that way. Or whether it's going to be like some sort of like a garage door opener type device where it's It's crazy. And then we would run into like different, like passive infrared type things where it's like a a motion detector type deal where you, you know, cause they didn't want us to be sitting in a specific area because that we got, we got smarter. Yeah. So as we get smarter, like they start to evolve what they're doing and we would run into a lot of, um, Pressure plates and crush wires and different stuff like that. Like they would basically uh, form like a a circuit that's incomplete, and then when we drive over a specific spot on the road, like two areas of like copper wire are now connected, connected. right? And that's what completes the circuit that you know initiates a detonation. So there was a lot of uh, different stuff like that. Um, some military ordnance, some homemade explosives. Um, so, you know, you have to pay attention to um, different visual cues for all all of that stuff is going to have a different, you know, visual signature associated with it. So you got to know what you're looking for uh, in terms of like freshly dug, you know, earth that might indicate where main charge is buried or whether it's some debris in the road that could be, uh, you know, a hiding spot or like even a marking Yeah, Uh, location where it's like hey as soon as they cross such and such a threshold right or a lot of times they would sometimes it would be as simple as like hey that trash bag that's sitting among all of these other trash bags is too clean yeah wow right it was just it was placed here today and sometimes it's literally just like i'm sitting in this spot and i feel like if i drive any farther i'm going to be in danger and i don't necessarily know Mm -hmm. why
0: I, trust that I just stop yeah that makes sense
1: we, it would happen on a semi-routine basis where like somebody would just the all stop all stop the call would come up and we'd stop for a second and everybody would kind of shift into like a, a security posture so everybody's kind of like you know everybody's like looking out of their vehicles five and twenty fives and then scanning and making sure that you know we're identifying what we can visually see kind of deal and then it's like all right, all right what why are we stopped here like what's going on because we don't want to be sitting here all day for no reason yeah. but we want to make sure that you know if somebody has you know just a weird feeling that sometimes we have to just honor that you and know. would you guys be really lenient on that like if you have a feeling like
0: if you feel something say it because i'd rather stop everything for a feeling than.
1: i mean it depends on who you're it depends on who is leading a patrol right because every patrol leader is going to be a little bit different and every patrol is going to be a little bit different it depends on what happened like today right it depends on what time of year it is like during the month of of ramadan right like everybody would be a little bit more alert because like there would just be more stuff happening right um so you You have to pay attention to like what's going on is is it like time for a local election or something like that because those would also be potentially like busy times you know what i mean you just have to kind of know like what's going on yeah and you know so every day you would get a briefing on like these were the significant activities since like the last time that we went on a patrol maybe 48 hours ago here's the last like 24 hours and then like you know here's who else is going to be out uh, at the same time that we're out and, you know, just make sure that you're talking to them and know what else is what else other people are seeing.
0: It's got to feel cool, I guess, in a way to have all of those briefings, you know, they it's crazy that there's people like just keeping current events like up to date for you guys. Like, yeah, no, that's that's a cool division, I guess.
1: It's good to. Uh, yeah, it's good to get you know brief stuff on the the intelligence of the day or you know whatever is going on but yeah sometimes it's a a little bit unnerving too because you hear like oh there was a iraqi police station that got blown up yesterday and like there was you know 6kia whatever yeah so then you know it's like okay well we know that the iraqi police guys are not going to be like you know out in force doing doing their thing and so you know Take it, take every day as it comes, I guess.
0: Um, I just, I saw you just got rid of that. It's cool, I can control this. Um, just to show, these are all Pat's pictures. Um, can you pull up the one of the IED that, yeah. Um, so that picture, like they're just made like a car battery. And so it's like a
1: long range cordless telephone is like the initiation system. And that car battery is the power source and so that's going to be a command detonated IED. Look, I didn't see the main charge there, so the main charge might have been hooked up, or they might have already, you know, um, disconnected it there. I don't. And like, what is disconnecting? Don't really have any context. Sorry. No, you're good. Um, I guess I
0: just showed that picture because it's it's just wild
1: how almost anything can be used. Yeah, I mean they're they're definitely smart. Uh, and they are I mean people use what they have to use, right? So like they learn how to make something out of almost nothing, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um people are ingenious and like you can't take take anything for granted, right? Even like bottles of our piss, man, they would take and like extract urea nitrate from urine and like use that to make explosives. That's wild. Like I said, they use the resources that are available to them. So yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's why they store up so much piss. So.
0: Hi,
1: Brandon. Well, here too. Yeah, you, Brandon he came in, in late, background.
0: but we don't have room for you. Sorry. <laughs> um, you opted out, buddy.
1: Yeah. You kicked yourself out. So, what else you got for pictures? Um, time?
0: I got, a, I got a few pictures. Um, let's, let's talk about them if you want, or you can let's show a picture of you as a baby. Um. Oh, uh, fat baby! 2006, little old Pat. Uh, you were Kimble. 23, you said. I was 23. Yeah.
1: Um, where was that taken? That was right outside of our our Connex housing units, our Chews. Um, so yeah, we were. That was like right outside of my little house. I, I, is this how you do that? I just, I just wanted to say, just gonna,
0: <laughs> I just wanted to say, uh, I find it humorous how like most veterans, I would say like 90% of veterans, they have the opposite. Like when they were in service, that was like when they were the most jacked, like the most fit. <laughs> right, and like right. you look at your, you're like, Oh, look at that fat piece of shit. Like, you're in service. Like obviously still fit. Like you were doing all the fitness stuff. The yeah. We were still doing, dude, we were
1: like, going to the gym all the time. Like
0: in terms of most, uh, prior servicemen, you've like Benjamin buttons. Like you're like, you're, you're fucking yokes now. Like,
1: like <laughs> look at that fucking clown. He doesn't know what's up. <laughs> um,
0: Yeah, so 23, if I remember correctly,
1: you had a kid, right? Two, when, two kids? I had two so. kids. I was married. Yeah, so that was kind of like, you know, I had, I had, um, what's the word? I had aspired to join the service before 2006, and <laughs> I actually um, – I went to the recruiter and I um, was not eligible for uh, enlistment because I was on probation. I got in a little bit of trouble mm. when I was younger. Yeah, I had like a petty larceny charge or something stupid. So um, I uh, was not eligible to serve. Like at that time I had to like do some sp- some specific steps. So I did, I went to college and I got like 12 college credits so that I could get my, um, so that I'd be like academically qualified my initial plan was to enlist in the Marine Corps, and um, that was what I really thought I wanted to do until I was, like, way into the process, like, literally ready to sign my contract. And everything on the contract was not what my recruiter had kind of discussed with me before he brought me to MEPS. So, yeah, big big shock that a recruiter would lie to you to get you <laughs> to sign a contract, right? you so, like promising you Crayola. yeah and they were gonna give me like some bullshit dollar general no it was uh it was like uh, they were gonna try to get me active duty they were gonna get me like a waiver so that i could join the active marine force fleet marine force right out of boot camp and my contract said that i was going to be assigned to a, a marine reserve unit and then they had promised me like uh they were, Or they were going to work on getting me a specific MOS that they, like, had a slot for allegedly. And I was like, okay, that sounds pretty good. It was going to be, like, a small arms technician kind of deal. And uh, then it turned out they wanted me to – it was going to be, like, 0311, which was infantry guy, or Motor T, which was, like, a truck driver. And, like, I had zero interest in driving a truck. Sure. And I had specifically told April that I would not enlist as an infantryman which, you know, I ended up enlisting as a combat engineer. So same shit, different toilet, right? (laughs) Essentially. But the problem with, with doing that is that I took a six year contract for $12,000 bonus. And uh, if I had joined as an infantryman, I would have been guaranteed uh, an airborne school slot uh, in my contract. So option three was like in there. And then they were going to give me three years, $40,000 bonus an airborne in route to my duty station. So if I would have gone that route, I probably would have been somewhere cooler ostensibly than Fort Riley, like Fort Bragg or, you know, somewhere like that. But you're
0: happy you were in the army rather than the Marines, right? Yeah, no,
1: I definitely was. would much rather be a soldier than a Marine for sure. Yeah. Well, I just had like the experience that I, I wouldn't have had the same experience, right? So, like the the people that I got to meet, and the friends that I made, and the stories that I have from that deployment and shit like that, like I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't have any of it. it would all be completely different. So, you know, some of my best friends in the world are guys that I still keep in touch with from those times, you know, with one eleven. So,
0: um, so we have pictures of some incidences that happened, um. Can you can you go live with this one?
1: So, four eleven oh six. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that was um that was from and I that date is actually incorrect because we okay. weren't even deployed then. I don't know whose whose camera. Um, we didn't deploy until September of two thousand six. So that that date stamp is actually not correct, but it doesn't really matter to the story, right? Um, that vehicle was carrying multiple um, artillery shells that were uh, supposed to be an IED. So that was what we called a suicide vehicle-borne IED, where they basically take a vehicle and they put a bunch of explosives in it and then they drive it into a military vehicle and they detonate it with the hopes of like killing themselves and then everybody in the vehicle as well so that's kind of
0: and that's what that that yeah so that that. yeah if you look Um, at that
1: yeah so that was the result like on our side and you saw the result on the other vehicles end of things and uh, that was from a, a low what we call a low order detonation so the reason that that vehicle was still intact at all was because a bunch of the artillery shells that were actually in that vehicle ended up on the ground instead of like detonated so um whatever he did as far as like an initiation system or trying to daisy chain that shit together, uh, was not terribly effective. And so thankfully, you know, uh, we were able to actually, that vehicle, believe it or not, self-recovered and drove the fuck out of there. That's wild. So yeah. And everybody in that vehicle was, was all right. They, they all like survived. They were like relatively unharmed. I was I was in the vehicle behind them. I was in the vehicle directly behind them. Um, and basically what happened was we were at a traffic circle. And so we sent our lead vehicle through the traffic circle in like a leapfrog type of idea. And they were pulling security on the far side. And then we were pulling security on our sector. And then the Buffalo went to leapfrog across and the vehicle came and hit them and detonated. And they, there was just, like, some dead space where nobody really had a, a clearly defined sector of fire there. And just, like, you know, one of the downfalls of having a, gun, a vehicle out there that didn't have a machine gun on it, right? Because that vehicle actually is, was more or less defenseless at that time. Eventually, uh, the Buffaloes did have uh, a crow, like a, a joystick machine gun on them. Um, so you didn't actually even have to have a guy, like, out. So but that that came later.
0: Um, I know it's hard to see. Is that picture
1: related? No. So that's actually from okay. you can pull that up because okay, that's that up. that's a cool story, too. So um, March the 15th, 2007 um, was like six months into the deployment. Um, I was in that this vehicle there that you see all, all damaged on the ground there that was the vehicle that I was riding in. So um, that blast hole is basically where we got hit. And then you can see the result on the vehicle. And then you can see everybody like trying to help with uh, casualty evacuation. Um, and you can see the vehicle in the front Uh, To like the 11, 10, 11 o'clock there, yeah, where your cursor is. And they're pulling far side security. And what you can't see is that we actually have a bunch of other vehicles on station at that point. Um, There were some Bradleys uh, in some blocking positions there. Because what happened was we were driving down the route. And they had blown up an Iraqi police station the day before. And um, when I say blown up, I mean like leveled it. Like an estimated like thousands of pounds of net weight of homemade explosives. So they blew up this whole police station and then we're like driving through that same area and everything is is damaged, right? Uh ruined and um it had also rained. So everything looks kind of wet. Yeah. You can't really tell if somebody's been digging or if something got blown up or if it's just wet, you know what I mean? And there's not a lot of passable like roadway to kind of get around. So we kind of got just funneled into this nice little kill sack and they hit us from underneath with like two or 300 pounds of homemade explosives and basically lifted my vehicle up off of its wheels, snapped the front end clip off when we landed back on the ground. And um, everybody inside um, was pretty well concussed and like knocked out and stuff. because. Uh, unfortunately most of them hit their head yeah like they're in the vehicle and they basically got thrown out of their seats and you know there's a roof right fortunately i was a machine gunner i did not hit my head on anything but i almost got ejected from the vehicle so i had to like catch myself (laughs) kind of on the way out but you know the a lot of the blast pressure is kind of escaping out by my ears essentially right so when i landed first of all i got lifted up out of my seat thusly and then when i landed i landed like this so if you ever wonder why uncle pat's back hurts it's because i got smashed one time on that metal seat when i was wearing about 60 pounds of bullshit and my spine got folded in half so that kind of uh put a damper on things but i was able i was still like awake and, um, obviously, um, I was a little bit like disoriented for a second Yeah, and I'm kind of looking around and all of the, uh, windows were all orange cause we had a bunch of chalk rounds from, um, from, uh, our, uh, 203s and the pressure from the IED actually ruptured all of the little blue canisters and it made the orange dust go everywhere. So all the windows are completely like obscured and my machine gun was gone. And then we start getting hit because it got ripped off the the cupola and, uh, we start getting hit by like small arms fire. And I'm like, fuck, (laughs) cause I don't have any, I had nothing. Yeah. Right. I don't have a machine gun and all the personal weapons in the fucking truck. Like there's some pictures floating around somewhere. All the personal weapons that were in the truck were all fucked from like getting tossed around we had an m4 with a flash hider that was crimped shut from getting smashed into some shit Shit. we had a a a rear receiver uh where the receiver extension uh screws in the rear receiver was cracked um my saw was deadline because the butt stock got snapped off got thrown you know, in the So just like I had and my platoon sergeant, he starts like waking up and he's like, Kimball, return fire. <laughs> That's like literally the he just regained consciousness, and like the first thing that he said was, Why isn't my machine gunner killing something right now? What is wrong with this guy? And I was like, Sergeant P, I ain't got nothing. <laughs> like, like we had no radio, we were like just sitting until so like the rest of our element. They pulled up their security posture around us and they like start fighting back. Turns out we were in the middle of a complex ambush and we were like sitting there like getting shot at from multiple different positions with PKMs and with AKs and they had RPGs out there. And so um, we got close air support on station and they came pretty quick. And then another engineer unit happened to be out clearing another section of the road and they got there pretty quick. And then um, we were able to like get uh, local security established and then we got everybody out. And then when we were driving back, um, my friend uh, Marshall, um, he was like there was a vehicle that was paralleling us on a different street and they were like shooting at our Kazovac vehicle. And so we've got like myself and my platoon sergeant are in there and so we're like trying to get back to the combat service hospital and um, Marshall was like lighting up this van and eventually like he shot the driver and the van like wrecked or whatever um, Wow but yeah so it was, it was a pretty good that was pretty good pretty good fight and um, I was actually af- shortly after that I went into I was in the operations uh, section for a little while. And I became like the unit armor, and I wasn't supposed to go out on patrol anymore. But they let me go sometimes.
0: Yeah. So um, that kind of leads into Michael's question: uh, After something like that, do you get pulled off duty for a while and to recover, or do you just have to soldier on?
1: No, it was like my my. Um, first of all, like um, it could have gone either. It depends, right? It could have gone either way. It depends on like the individual. It depends on the unit, and it depends on like the the mission requirements right um but they did make there was a recommendation that was made by uh somebody in the medical section that like hey this guy might need to go back to germany or whatever and like you know not be deployed forward deployed anymore and uh my unit was like they wanted to talk to me about it kind of deal or like you know because ultimately it was a command decision yeah so um then uh, my commander was like, Hey, you know, how are you feel? Like what's going on with you? And I was like, well, we all came here together and like, we're supposed to leave together. Like, so I want to stay. And he was like, well, good. So I want you to stay. Yeah. So I was like, all right, cool. So, so it was I stayed. your
0: choice. Like they took
1: well, kind of, I mean, ultimately, like if I would have said like, I want to be a bitch, then my commander probably would have listened to me. Cause he didn't want me. He didn't want bitches around at all. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Like it if- makes sense.
1: Yeah. I mean, he. if I if I wouldn't didn't want to be there, then, you know, it might have been different. But I wanted to be there with with, you know. Yeah. With the boys. So.
0: Was that
1: the first time you first and only or? No, it wasn't the first time. It wasn't the only time. Um, it was definitely the most like serious time. But there were, you know, I think everybody in my unit got blown up like multiple, multiple times. And some of them were like more significant, I would say, than that. Um, you know, as far as like individual Mm Blasco, we had a guy that was in, um, a vehicle called the Husky. That's like basically a one person vehicle and it's basically using like ground penetrating radar type of technology to look for mines like that are buried and different stuff like that. And he got, excuse me, he got rocked from underneath as well. And, uh, that was like, that was a big one. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, You know, some people definitely suffered like lasting effects. Of course, for sure. And
0: I I wanted to get into some lasting effects. I mean, how how do you come back to Civ life after like driving, like being blown up? Like, how do you trust the road? How do you?
1: It's you know, it's weird at first, but eventually, like, you just realize like that's not that's not my life. That's not like that's not part of life now. Yeah, I mean, like that was part of life then. Um. But, you know, it, it takes a little bit of time, especially when other people are driving. I have more trouble when other people are driving because I feel like I have less control. Yeah. So, but when I when I drive vehicles, sometimes I do get a, just a little bit more, like, anxiety. Of course. You know what I mean? Just because I, I know, like, what I know how much bad shit can happen. Yeah. So.
0: Sorry, I'm just trying to think. No, it's all good, um, man. So, what
1: sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say so that deployment was like 15 months, right? From like September 2006 till December 2007. So then, yeah, it was supposed to be a 12, the standard was 12 then, but most units were getting extended for like three months at a time. So, we um, I ended up it was messed up for me specifically because I went on leave in December of 2006. So, we deployed in September 2006. And I ended up having to go on leave almost right away because I was so low on the seniority list that everybody else kind of got to pick when they wanted to go in on leave in my platoon before I did. So by the time I was able to like figure out when I wanted to potentially go on um, go on leave. The only thing that was left was like, well, I could go home for Christmas. And so like, okay, that's cool. I'll, I'll go. But like, we've been deployed for 90, like 90 days. We just, we just got, I'm not even like bored of being deployed yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, it was cool. Cause I got to surprise April, um, and do it that way. She didn't know I was coming home kind of deal. So her mom like picked me up and like, we drove to meet her like at tops or she was just like grocery shopping or whatever. And so like, we met up with her and she was like all surprised and then I got yeah. to go home with her, um, from there. And so we hung out for a couple of weeks. And then when I went home, um, I don't remember when we found out we got extended, but I think it was like June. I think like, so we were like, it was six months later. And I'm thinking like, okay, I got deployed. I went on leave. I've been away for again, six months. And now I got another three months to go. And then I'll get to go back home again. And uh, no, come to find out we got extended for 90 days. So It ended up being like from December of 06 until December of 07 that I didn't get to like go home to the fam. Wow. So, yeah, it was it was that was a long 12 months. That was a long 12 months.
0: Was it difficult, like leaving your family like again? Yeah, I guess like just in general. Can you can you go into that?
1: Well, okay. So let's, yeah, let's talk about the amount of family separation. I see from the chat, April's here too. So she can kind of back me up on this. So when I enlisted, I went in February of 2006. I went to the unit in June of 2006. Oh, I'm sorry. I went on leave in June of 2006 after basic. And then I went to the unit in July of 2006. By September of 2006, we were deployed. So like... I was away for 16 weeks. I went home for three weeks, two weeks of leave, and then one week of hometown recruiter assistance. Um, And then when I went to to Fort Riley to home station, I was there for two months away from the fam, and then I got deployed for another three months away from the fam. So 16 weeks, home for three, gone for five, home for 2, gone for 5 months, home for 2 weeks, gone for 12 months and then back home. So for the first like 18 months I was in the army. Or no, from I'm sorry, from September 2006 until December of 2007, I spent a grand total of 6 weeks like with my family. Yeah. So, that first two almost 2 years was was tough. Um but but it ended up being worth it like long term yeah but yeah it was i mean very difficult time for them because april was a single mom essentially for a long time yeah and um difficult for sean because he was like little you know and he's like some of the first like sentences that he learned were like my dad's in Iraq." yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like Yikes. like yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so. and, and as
0: Michael says, that's a dedicated woman. Uh, shout out to April. For, oh yeah, you know, for sure.
1: All of that. Yeah, no, for sure. It was uh it was a hard one, man. But we made it. Sorry, these stools kind of suck. Yeah, they do suck. Very creaky. Yeah, um, they're creaky and they're a little bit uneven, so I'm trying to get comfortable for you guys.
0: So your your first deployment that like first year, what what was like the big takeaway you got from that? Like what life lessons, what life experiences did you Like reflecting now what did you gather from all of that
1: um just how much you have to be able to trust the guys that you're that you're working with just how much like uh you emphasis you have to put on what you do in training and like how everything is is a rehearsal for something right one of the things that made us really good at like the the situation that I was in where we had to do like a casualty evacuation and stuff like that. One of the things that helped us there was we had rehearsed that over and over and over again. Right. So we knew what we were supposed to do. E- everybody had a specific job that they were supposed to do and everybody knew the job and everybody was able to do it. Right. Um, and so that was really big um, just in terms of like having those rehearsals kind of nailed because you don't want to learn on the fly in that situation right um so that was really good and then yeah the trust factor and just like how much effort effort and emphasis you put on like the minutiae of like the rehearsals and having your gear set up like you know so it works so that you know where that next reload is coming from and you know all of that different shit like just you know the different things that I try to impart to you guys when we're on the range, right? Like when we're out there shooting, mm-hmm. and you know, it's like, hey, freaking get that get that rifle up. It's important, like, yeah, because I, I had <laughs> shit like that happen too, where like you have a gun go down, like at an inopportune time, and then it's like, get that gun up, like make it make it work. So, um, there was a time we were on patrol, and we're heading like north. I think we we're actually going back home, kind of deal. And um, we were driving past this little, like, alleyway. And I'm a machine gunner, so I'm just kind of, like, looking around. What's going on over here? What's going on over there? And uh, I see a guy with an RPG, and he kind of, I was like, oh, shit. So, A, stop. And then, like, we backed up the vehicle. And, like, I kind of see the guy, like, peeking his head kind of deal. So, I was like, oh, shit. Shot a couple rounds at him. And then I start getting shot at from over here. Sorry, are you shooting with like, your, like your shooting like a 240 okay shooting like a two so i i shot like a six or eight round burst from the 240 um at the guy with the rpg because i saw him poke his head yeah so i i shot a couple rounds at him and then i start getting shot at and i couldn't tell exactly where it was coming from at first so i started traversing my gun turret and my driver called out where he saw it coming from And I was like, okay. So I turned and I saw like muzzle flash, and you can hear, you know, you hear some bees going by. So I'm like, okay, uh, there he is. And I went to shoot and I pressed trigger and my gun was down. And I was like, fuck. Like, fuck. (laughs) And so, like, I'm like down here, like trying to like pull, observe. push like i'm trying to get my gun up and trying not to get fucking shot of course so i get my gun i get my uh feed belt fixed and i get my feed paw cleared out and i charge my gun and he shot at me again and i fucking put you know some rounds into that fucking window area and he stopped shooting Mm -hmm. so it was like but i meanwhile i got my fucking squad leader down there yelling at me fucking get the gun up and like
0: is that the youtube video that you have
1: um no 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 that one where they're like who's shooting and i was like yeah me? no no okay. that was i was just shooting an m16 in that one
0: i'm going to there's a couple youtube videos that you have or there's videos that I'll, well
1: they're you know, on I'll youtube like already so yeah if you if you i'm gonna find them and link them
0: in fine. the in the spotify you, put, you put and, in there is,
1: it's already posted on youtube some of these guys might, might have already seen it. i've i know mm-hmm. i've watched them so
0: they're fun videos I especially knowing it's you i
1: didn't put them out there you can tell from the voice in the one when they're like who's shooting and i was like it's me
0: <laughs> there's another picture this guy can we bring this up
1: oh yeah so that was like one of the first things that you noticed that we noticed when we were in mosul just kind of rolling around is like how many of those windows uh have bullet holes around them just like how many wild yeah man the unit that was uh there before us they were uh they were involved in a lot of uh, gunfights as well and uh, they definitely like let us know where some of the the hot spots were where they were taking a lot of contact unfortunately on their way out they ended up losing a guy so um that kind of sucked for everybody concerned it sucked for them obviously uh, Suck yeah. for his family, because um, he was actually supposed to already have like uh, redeployed back home at that time. So that was a that was another like difficult lesson. Is like the literally the first time that I went outside the gate, we got shot at with with like precision small arms fire, and they hit a window <laughs> bulletproof glass didn't no penetration whatever, um, but it left a significant like amount of damage in the window. Yeah, and like. That was the first time out of the gate that I had never been. i never been in a vehicle that got struck by a bullet before, and it kind of became real, right? Right. Like- so I was like, on the first patrol, you can get shot at, and then like, you know, within a week, let's say, uh, somebody was was killed in action that should have already gone home, right? So first patrol or last patrol, it doesn't fuck yeah. With me, right? Like it's all it's real the whole time it's all like every time you roll out like it could be the last time you roll out
0: how do you cope with that you kind of just not think about it do you
1: no you think about it you think mori, about it a lot expect you, it no you you have to you, you one of the one of the rituals I'll tell you, this this is like how we kind of had to embrace it for ourselves so i had a roommate uh we called him moses Uh, I won't out him any more than that. We called him Moses. And uh, Moses and I used to listen to, uh, you know, the Metallica song, One? Yeah. Landmine has taken my arms, taken my legs, taken my, right? Uh, We used to listen to that before we would go out on patrol. Right. So we're going out looking for IEDs, like literal landmines sometimes, Italian like TT6 mines and French anti-tank mines and different shit like that. And we're like listening to a song about like getting named by uh, a landmine, yeah, right. Like in preparation to like go out and do work, right? Because that's the job, man. Like somebody might die, yeah, right. Like we all we all signed up for the same job, right? Like you know what it is. Somebody might die, so it's
0: all right. I, mean, I gosh, guess, I guess it's As a civilian who's never been in a situation like that it's hard for me to wrap my brain around like my job is going like the chances of my job killing me are pretty pretty high i'm just like as a civilian it's hard to wrap my, my my excuse me my mind around that
1: yeah but i mean like it's a responsibility like in when i enlisted right like first of all i didn't have like that many better career paths that were like readily apparent to me at the time. I didn't have a high school education, essentially, like I had a GED and a couple of college credits. I had been working like literally three jobs before I joined the army. I was doing like a warehouse thing in basically the same hours that I work now for UPS, like three in the morning staging loads for guys to go out and do deliveries and then i would go and do like a construction gig during the day um when like you know nine to five type deal and then uh four days a week uh and on saturdays i would have to go and do uh telemarketing for like three hours after from like six to nine at night so you know i was working literally like you know 16 18 hours a day three or four days a week Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to like make enough money and, and still didn't have insurance. Yeah. Jeez. You know what I mean? So I was like, I was in a pretty messed up situation when I had a wife and two kids and I didn't really have a good plan on how I was going to like support them like long term. So I figured, you know, I might as well do this for a little bit and like learn some stuff and like, you know, maybe I'd do it forever kind of deal. And I wanted to, I would have done it for, you know, at least my 20 years, I would still be doing it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, if I hadn't have had some other circumstances come up, but, you know, a bunch of my friends are still doing it now or have retired and whatever. And, you know, so I get to, I get to still be like close to it a little bit.
0: <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Michael again asks, mm-hmm. uh, he's curious how someone gets picked as a machine gunner. Do you ask for it or are you just picked?
1: Um, i don't remember really how that kind of went i think it might have been just like through like the process of i hadn't been trained on being a driver i think it was just like a process of elimination kind of deal plus i i shot well enough on on the machine guns on the range to like qualify as a machine not everybody you know was proficient enough to like actually shoot the qualification table and and pass um the machine gun qualification table isn't super hard, but I mean there's a time standard associated with it and some of the targets can be harder to see if you don't, you know, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I was, I was just a good machine gunner, man. I, I liked it. I wanted to shoot stuff. Sounds I to, fun. <laughs> just wanted to shoot stuff.
0: <laughs> what other stories do you have that um, like, stick out a lot?
1: I mean, honestly like some of the best stories that I can remember are stories about times when it was just like after the first deployment training my guys to go and you know do their job and trying to get them you know spun up I remember when all the new soldiers came in after everybody got stop loss and stuff a bunch of us had just gotten promoted to sergeant at the same time so, you know, I'd been in the army like two and a half years at this time and uh, thought I knew a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. thought I was pretty squared away guy. So uh, all these new soldiers come in and uh, me and my buddies are all wearing our shiny new sergeant stripes. And we would just like, you know, find different ways to like pick on each other's soldiers. So I'd see one of my buddies guys that were was all fucked up somehow, like his uniform was messed up or he didn't shave or, you know, he wasn't, you know, whatever, wasn't doing what he's supposed to do. And I'd be like, hey, get over here, you. Who's your who's your squad leader? Private. And he'd be like, oh, sergeant, sergeant, whatever. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, well, you tell sergeant, whatever that fucking sergeant Kimball says, you're fucked up. <laughs> 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 just, you know, awesome. just stuff like that, man. Just like good time. I remember one of the new soldiers were, were like Myself and my buddy, Sergeant Cliver, who you met, um, we were sitting in operations and he's like processing this new soldier into the unit. Right. And I had just picked up corporal. This was before I was even a sergeant. So I was eligible for promotion, but I hadn't gotten promoted to sergeant yet. So I got my corporal stripes on and we got this brand new soldier sitting in the operations office and he's literally sitting there like this, like he's on vacation and like. The first sergeant walks in and he's cussing about something or this. And he's like, I can't believe that S-1 did this or that fucking bullshit. And this private looks over at the first sergeant and just goes, I can't believe it's not butter. (laughs) (laughs) And the first sergeant looks at this fucking private that's sitting there like this in his operations center. And he looks at fucking specialist Kleiber who's processing this dude in and he's just sitting there like, oh my God. he's just like got his head down like, oh my God. <laughs> and he looks at Corporal Kimball who's sitting there like just kind of waiting. That's him. And yeah, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> so he looks over at Corporal Kimball and he's like, hey, Corporal Kimball, why don't you take those new stripes of yours out for a test drive? i took this guy i took this guy outside and i smoked the balls off of this soldier for like 20 minutes and he comes back in and he is just sweating and he sat in that chair real straight (laughs) he didn't say another word
0: that's awesome
1: yeah it was a good time i still talk to that guy (laughs) that's the thing man is like i I took care of them too, right? Like I I would fuck with them and I would like do stuff to like let them know like we're professional soldiers and like this is a job and you know, all that kind of stuff. And like, you know, keep them you have to keep them focused on the mission, right? But at the end of the day, like I would always tell them like, hey man, this this is why, right? Like it wasn't about wasn't about just like me wanting to be an asshole, although that was part of it. It's, it's, not, to, it's, not, it's not all of it. It's fun to embellish in that a little bit yeah, no it was it was a good time man.
0: Um, Gemma asks what was your rank when you left?
1: Mm. I was an e five sergeant. I was an e five sergeant. they tried to dangle a promotion in front of me to extend my uh, contract, but I couldn't extend my contract at the time. so I left as I left as an e five so but I was a uh, I was a platoon sergeant at the time, so I was an E-5 serving in a position that would normally be an E-7 position.
0: I'm looking through pictures. That's Um, fine. So we've got a bunch of guns here. Pull them up. Let me Um, see. I like guns,
1: in case you guys didn't know. (laughs) So we have a 240 Bravo up on the top there. That is a 7.62 by 51 NATO general purpose machine gun. It is a uh, belt fed and air cooled and it shoots a cyclic rate of like between six, six, and 800 rounds per minute. And then below that you have a saw that is a 5.56 by 45 NATO squad automatic weapon. It is a light well lightweight belt or magazine fed weapon and it sh- fires from the open bolt position just like the m240 and it has a cyclic rate of 800 to a thousand rounds per minute and you have an m16 a4 and then below that you have a mossberg 500 that is just a regular off the shelf 18 uh, and a half inch mm-hmm. cylinder bore variant we had to go mm-hmm. local purchase them from Walmart, we Did you just like bring these home. Is that your backpack? <laughs> <laughs> like, where's that photo taken? It's a pic You where's can, that see, the car- that yeah, you can see the camo net. Yeah, it is. You can see the camo net over back-up. top. I <laughs> know Don't tell them where I keep my stash.
0: So, is that like basic, like patrol loadout? Like when you're
1: no, that we were just cleaning. Just we were cleaning. just cleaning all of our shit. Yeah. So those were um, those guns were actually like my guns the 240 would be on top of the vehicle and then the m16 um i would usually just borrow the m16 from like who's ever driving or whatever um and keep it up there for like my um because i was actually a saw gunner as well so my saw i couldn't use that for escalation of force now we can talk about escalation of force in a second but um i couldn't use a saw for escalation of force so i had to use an m16 So the the saw would usually be down in the vehicle. And then the shotgun, that was probably just what I was carrying around the fob at the time because I was a unit armor and I didn't want to fucking carry some heavy shit. So I just like to carry a shotgun sometimes or like a pistol or whatever.
0: So for the record, you used a shotgun.
1: I use a, well, a shotgun to look to so. look like I had a gun <laughs> when I was walking around. I wanted to look like I had a gun. Yeah. I would carry a shotgun.
0: Um, can we go into escalation of course?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so one of the things, uh, about being a machine gunner is like not everything that you want to shoot is necessarily something that you get to shoot. Right. Um, so like sometimes you, you feel like you should be, you know, able to use lethal force but legally you can't right so um you have to go through a specific progression of steps um in order to be justified so um our progression the way that we we're supposed to do it was shout signal show shoot 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 so shout like hey stop signal being like hey i have a stop sign here and i'm holding it and waving it at you uh, another signal would be like a little pen flare. We used to Dazzlers. shoot like pen flares, huh?
0: Dazzlers at all? Uh,
1: it's not a di- So think about like a tracer round, but like it's just the, the tracer. It's not like an actual bullet, right? Okay. So you're just shooting like basically a, a white fo- or like a red phosphorus little projectile flare. Essentially, it's just a flare at a car, right? So if I want you to stop, And I shoot this red flare and it bounces off your window. You think I just tried to kill you. Yeah. But in reality, I, I did not, right. I wasn't using lethal force. Um, so that would be like part of our signal procedure. Uh, the idea is I want you to stop before you're within a hundred meters of our patrol. Right. Um, especially if we're stopped, like I need, I need you to stop. Um, Because that's the other thing is we have to have a a secure cordon like around where we're at, where we're working at um, in case there's an IED. Because every once in a while, like we we had a couple of incidents where we had an IED that was detonated and we had like established our cordon and everything was cool. And somebody ended up getting hit with like secondary Mm -hmm. frag or something like that. And now we have to like provide some sort of medical intervention. And it's just a Mm -hmm. huge pain in the ass. So Mm -hmm. we didn't like to get into those situation but we did have good uh medics and our medics were like always uh willing to help like local nationals and stuff like that um so yeah it was uh it was a great experience overall man I, I really uh i really got a lot out of it i enjoyed it it was a shitty place to be um but i was i was with some really cool guys yeah it sounds it um
0: to to keep going about uh Escalation of force, shoot,
1: shoot, shoot. Oh, yeah, so shout, signal, show, and then shoot, shoot to the hill, right? So you want to shoot to a berm. You want to shoot to some kind of a soft target that's going to absorb a bullet without deflecting it because you have to maintain accountability, right? Even though we're in a combat zone, we can't be just ricocheting bullets all over the place. Um, And then I'm going to try to shoot to disable your vehicle. And if I'm shooting with 5.56, even like uh, M855, it's probably going to take a couple of rounds, even on like a smaller vehicle. So in general, um, if we're shooting to the grill, then we're going to move pretty quickly into shooting to kill. Yeah. So um, shout, signal, show, shoot to the hill, shoot to the grill, shoot to kill.
0: How discouraging is it that you have to follow all of these steps when they don't
1: care? Well, OK, so there's like... There's three facets to that I think Um, The first facet is We are professionals Right And as professionals Like we take great pains To minimize uh, Whatever damage we could do To the relationship That we're trying to build With coalition forces Or with the Iraqi people In general Right So there's that side of it There's also the side of it Where um, We're trying to protect are fo- the force and the people that were deployed with and right are our guys. So there's also like the loyalty that you have to like protecting the people that you're responsible for, especially if you have like the most casualty producing weapon, right? Cause as the guy with the most casualty producing weapon, like that's our fire superiority. Right. So that's a pretty significant job. Um, but then also there's the element of like um, self-preservation, too right like i want to stay alive so i want to be able to be empowered to do the things that i think are going to keep me fighting so that the machine gun is working so that the force is protected right Mm -hmm. so there's all of that different stuff and ultimately like i think it's a good i it was helpful like it could have been really detrimental right um and if you let it get too much into your head about like i have to follow all these specific rules but really there's only a specific criteria that there's only a specific threshold that has to be met and that is like i have to have either hostile actions or i have to have hostile intent and i have to be able to articulate that right so if i can i don't necessarily need to go through all of those different steps if i have an overt hostile act or i can i can articulate hostile intent
0: like, if a round bounces off, like, okay, I don't have to wave, I don't have to stop, I can just go straight to shoot, right? If you know who did it, if you...
1: Right, yeah, like, if somebody shoots it at us, right, I'm not going through all of these different steps of, like, hey, stop, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> hey, hey, stop is, like, everybody speaks a little 240 Bravo, right? Like, <laughs> that is, like, a universal, <laughs> it's like a universal language, right? I don't have to say stop, <laughs> I'll just help you.
0: um so i guess what would be one of the hardest moments you had to go through in the
1: service um if you're comfortable talking about it yeah no man of course um i think the first the first couple of guys that we lost to suicide when we came home were really hard. The first two guys, man, because they were both members of my same platoon. They were both dudes that I had done a lot of, um, a lot of uh, combat patrols with. They were guys that I had spent a lot of time getting to know.
0: Brothers. Um,
1: yeah, man, for sure. Um, and, like, I really... I really like missed having those guys as part of like my my day to day routine, right? So that was that was really challenging. Um, when when that happened, um, because it ha- that seemed to happen pretty quick. I don't remember the exact date. I mean, I remember the exact date of one, and I only remember the exact date for him because it happened to be the anniversary of um, the date when. Mm-hmm that ied event we were talking about earlier happened um so it was uh the 15th of march 2008 so that was like it was already a date that like i remembered and i knew and um so then that date became like even more difficult for a while just because like i had you know a personal attachment to it where it was like hey this is like my alive day Right. And that was like for a while I was I was kind of a weirdo about it, I guess. Yeah. Um, But then, um, you know, once it was like his uh, his angel birthday, too, then it was kind of like, well, fuck. Now it's like. Now it's even shittier. Right. Or it Mm -hmm. was then. But then I had to, like, move past that. And I had to be like, well, no, actually, it's like the opposite. Right. Because like it's still my alive day. Um and it's a day when like it's important to remember my friend too, right? Yeah. But not to be not to do it in like a way that he would think I was a bitch, right? Because like uh he was he came from like a straight he was like a straight up gangster before he joined the army. And um so he was like he was more used to some of that shit, I think, than we were. Um, in terms of, like, just getting shot at and, like, being, like, knowing how he was going to kind of react in that, situ- you know what I mean, yeah. in that situation. Um, and he did, man. He always, like, he was always ready to fucking get busy. He was always, you know, he was always, like, down. And so, like, I always wanted to, like, once he was gone, I always wanted to be that guy. I always wanted to be down. You know what I mean? And, like, fuck it. Let's get it on. Let's do it. Yeah. So. Like, that was a big takeaway from him was, like, just, you know, know know the job, know what you signed up for, and be ready to do it to, like, the fullest extent.
0: Yeah. So,
1: what else you got? Um,
0: I'm running out. All right. Yeah, we got some more pictures. Um, We actually have a couple more pictures, I think.
1: All right, can we'll we just one.
0: show some of these.
1: Nothing that's going to initiate any investigations.
0: <laughs> we made sure to vet those up.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm only, I'm only teasing. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. So I don't know who that is or where that is, but that's one of our vehicles. Uh, you can see the machine gunner up there. He's got his mask on. Um, pretty dusty and shit out there sometimes so every once in a while you want to put some protection on the old face and
0: is this like is this the vehicle you would typically ride in personally
1: so that Um, yeah that is an rg31 yeah we that was the one of the vehicles like what i was riding in when we got hit actually every time i ever got Every time I was ever involved in an IED detonation, I think I was riding in one of those. You
0: probably don't love those vehicles.
1: Um, the part I didn't like about them was the lack of doors. If you look on the side, the door is actually in the back. Oh. Um, so you, they're kind of like death traps.
0: Yeah, like, like getting out if it ignites or Yeah, whatever. like
1: it just seems like it kind of counterintuitive now. The machine gunner, obviously, he's good. He's got his own little hatch. There's a couple little doors in the back. But these guys really don't have a lot of options up there in the passenger in the driver compartment area. So though that iteration of those vehicles was not does that doesn't so oh <laughs> so here's a here's a really fucking cool story. So one time we were out uh sitting on an IED and um we ended up uh getting an rpg shot into the side of my vehicle right but if you go back to the picture there you can see there's some little um there's some little like hatches back here so uh back above the rear wheel josiah if you look you can see there's like a little door like a little compartment there and there's one right under the driver's window too so right in that one under the driver's window we had a bunch of water bottles under there inside of that compartment so when they shot the rpg um for those of you that don't know an rpg is basically a a shape charge that's uh inside of a little rocket propelled device with a pzo electric igniter on the end of it right so what happens is the rpg flies into the designated target and the little igniter detonates and then it initiates the shape charge inside and the shape charge actually forms like a copper like plasma jet and it shoots into like through armor right? that's how it penetrates is using that copper shape charge to cut through um so the water that was in the compartment there it actually cooled the shape charge down to the point where we actually recovered the little copper fucking deal and we recovered the tail fin because that's it cool. cooled down yeah to the point where it it was totally ineffective now if that had not been the case if it had impacted the driver's door probably i wouldn't be sitting here next to you and definitely my driver wouldn't have been alive for sure um like
0: one case of water like yeah roughly that,
1: mm-hmm. that's crazy yep. be enough. well they were uh liter bottles and they were laying long ways So, Uh, you know, it was actually quite a lot, it was quite a lot of water that I had to like, kind of penetrate, but yeah, um, it worked. Just make the tanks out of water bottles and everybody's going to be fine.
0: (laughs) Sounds terrible. (laughs) Um, Matt asks a great question. Yeah. Thank you for this. What was the best thing you ate or your favorite thing? to eat while deployed
1: oh dude we used to eat so much ice cream <laughs> we would eat so much because uh sherbert that we would always say it was fat free it wasn't fat free at all it was it was shit. it was it was, it was bad <laughs> but they had so much ice cream for us uh they had like the magnum bars you guys ever had like yeah dude magnum bars are expensive right but like they had them. They had everyone. They had the dark chocolate ones with the nice. almonds. They had milk chocolate ones with no almonds. They had white chocolate ones. They had white chocolate ones with little Oreo fucking bases. That's awesome. awesome. You got a bunch of chubby kids. I know, right? <laughs> no, dude, we had so much... So much, The access to ice cream was unparalleled <laughs> when I was deployed. So that was one cool thing for me because I like that stuff. Um, but also, dude, they had guys that would make um, sandwiches Um and there's a story associated with me and sandwiches (laughs) um maybe i'll save it for another day
0: i mean you brought it up i kind of want to hear it
1: so basically the story goes like um we were getting ready to go out on patrol and we were like making our plans for like what was going to happen after the patrol and uh so we're like yeah we're gonna go out here we're gonna do this little patrol and then we're going to come back and we're going to hit the gym or we're going to go to lunch. And then we're going to hit the gym. And I was like, that sounds like a plan. And then I was like, now nah, you know what, man, I have a feeling we're going to get in, We're going to get busy today. And I was like, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go out there and I'm going to get some. Then I'm going to come back and then I'm going to get a sandwich. And we went out on patrol and sure enough, we made contact and I got some. And then I got to eat a sandwich. It's <laughs> awesome. Uh, it was a good sandwich, man. I had a <laughs> had a panini. A panini. <laughs> yeah, they gr- they grill them. They, <laughs> they put it were on these people
0: panini. on base, or were they? Yeah, they
1: were little Filipino guys.
0: Were you ever allowed to just like stop at food places? I mean, I know it's a, a job, but
1: <sighs> dude, I yes. Yeah, so there was a there was a. You guys know what naan bread is, right? Yeah. Flatbread. Usually it's really well like over there, they season it really nice, and it's very it's delicious, right? So yeah, we would stop and get naan all the time at this one uh, local bakery type place, and uh, eventually they blew the bakery up. That sucks. Yeah, yeah, so, that really sucks. Yeah, no, but we yes, we would have like local food. We got some falafel from time to time. Um, there was actually a cool little place on the base where you could actually go and get like you could check out Middle Eastern food and stuff like that so you didn't have to like just do it when you're out in sector kind of deal um so yeah we got to do like falafel and we got to have like non-bread and got to eat like watermelon and you know yeah yeah it's cool man
0: um Michael asks uh can we get mil-cert magnums <laughs> <laughs> uh, i i didn't pay taxes in 2006 and 2008 but my mom did and she says you're welcome for the magnum thank you i <laughs> i appreciate it for sure i wasn't old enough
1: <laughs> now just so you guys know from that one picture uh you that was like early on in the deployment i did end up getting like kind of like swole during the deployment so (laughs) it wasn't fat pat i wasn't i wasn't always a fat kid but yeah there was there was definitely a time when we were getting a lot of ice cream
0: there's actually a, a picture i like of you this one
1: yeah so that's me going out on mission as a machine gunner yeah like you can see there's my machine gunner's hatch right over my head. And you can see that we have high explosive. Those are not marking rounds for the 40 mic mic there. Those are high explosive grenades. You can see my buddy sitting next to me with his saw. And we're getting ready to go out and do some do some work. So you
0: told the story with the chalk rounds, how it was all orange inside. Would those have detonated too no. or are those pretty
1: stable? no 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 they're those actually rely on uh velocity and rotation okay. to actually like there's a the way the fuse in there is kind of set up they actually have to rotate a specific number of times so i couldn't even shoot it from me to that door and probably get it to actually uh, detonate okay. it needs a certain amount of travel through the air to get the safe standoff distance before it's going to be effective that's why I call duty when you're too close but you kill the guy, but it doesn't blow up. Yeah, right. so, yeah. Yeah, no, that's it's that's exactly what happens, right? Like you just fucking Yeah, just collapses ribs. Hurts oh, then wow. muzzle stuff him in the face. Or whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Any last stories you wanna
1: share? No, I think I told you guys too many stories. I, I don't think so. I no, think we could do another I don't hour think, of stories. I don't think anybody cares about these stories that much. But, <laughs> um, no, I, uh, you know, I appreciate you guys' interest in uh, you know what I used to do, and um, it was a really neat job. Um, a lot of people, you know, will say like "thank you for your service" and stuff like that, and I definitely appreciate. It. I've seen a couple of those here, um, and you know, thank you guys for paying taxes. Um, but also, it was the best job. That I've ever had and it definitely taught me a lot and put me in a a better position to like take care of my family so I really appreciate the opportunity um to wear the uniform and um it was definitely an honor and a privilege to do it I hope I I hope I did it well
0: yeah and I'm just happy I get to sit here and talk with you about it and I'm sure our listeners really loved it. It, You're getting a lot of love. Um, You have been getting
1: love throughout the entire stream. And yeah, um, I I appreciate it, man. Uh, I didn't, you know, it's it's kind of uncomfortable to like be the topic of conversation. I don't mind like topping, or I don't mind. I don't mind. Whoa. I don't mind talking. I don't mind being in the conversation. I don't necessarily want to be the topic of the conversation. Um, but I appreciate you guys listening and uh, asking questions, and um,
0: you know. I was going to say that the cool thing about this is like it's your stories and your experience and you know, your lessons learned are now immortalized, as well as you know, using shotguns and Utah. Yeah, about now everybody, <laughs> now everybody knows about shotguns
1: <laughs> and various other <laughs> shit. So, good job. Thanks for watching everybody. I appreciate it. Ty, uh, great job. Thank you. Um, Josiah, thanks for keeping us on I appreciate track You guys uh, with the pictures and all of the good stuff. And, um, yeah,
0: check out, we got a new counter if you guys didn't see on Facebook already. Um, that's why we're so short and so small.
1: It's yeah. We're, uh, we're trying, we're on YouTube live now too. So we're not doing, uh, any handling of firearms on the stream during the live. Um, we're gonna try and play with some format stuff because I want to be able to, uh, you know, keep the uh, integrity of the show. I know why a lot of you guys watch this for the gun content, um, and that's really where my heart lies. I guess. Oh yeah, same. But like YouTube makes it hard with. They do make it hard with the live aspect of things. Touch. So we'll we'll try to figure out what we can do um, for you guys. Uh, maybe we can do some other videos on the side or something. I don't know.
0: We'll but, always bring it to them. Yeah. 100%. It's our job. Uh we're closed the fourth. Just a couple of house things. We haven't made a post officially, so you guys are all the first to hear. But uh, so um, my grandmother says happy fourth to everybody. And yeah, enjoy your independence guys. We will see you guys next time. Peace. Love up. you all. Bye. <laughs>